Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another amazing episode of Zero Dark Nerdy, the world's most notorious pop culture podcast. This is your host, Brian, a.k.a. El Nino, and today I'm joined with the one and only track star, the DJ from Run the Jewels in the Smoking Section. How you doing, Mr. Track Star? Good, man. How are you? Doing good, brother. Doing good. Uh, it's been about a year since, uh, yeah, actually just over a year since our last yeah. conversation. I know a lot of stuff's changed. Uh, just kind of, you know, fill us in on what's happened from, I guess, this time last year to uh, to where you're at now. Oh, man. My, um, my daughter got a lot bigger. Run the Jewels. Finished Run the Jewels 4, but has not released it yet. <laughs> um, we booked a tour with Rage Against the Machine, and then it got postponed. We moved to St. Louis, and the whole world got quarantined. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good wrap-up right there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how is your daughter doing? It's, it's Amina Millie, right? Yes, yes. She's yeah. great, man. She's the best. Just, just put her to bed. Yeah, she's amazing. She's uh, growing fast, and... She's moving around now, so we got to chase her down all day, but super fun. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. How's the, how's the family getting acclimated to being in line? So did you, uh, you know, did you meet your wife in St. Louis? Yeah, or? we met. Well, actually, we met on MySpace. Okay. But, <laughs> but we were living in St. Louis at the time. So um, I lived here for 10 years. She lived here for, I think, four or five um, before we moved uh, about 11 years ago. And then we just moved back in February. We moved back just before I left for the first week of rehearsals, and mm-hmm. then uh, between the first week and the second week, everything got canceled. So, right, um, you know, I love having the extra time with the family. You yeah, know? I'm, uh, definitely looking at the silver linings here as much as I can. But you know, it's funny being back. You know, we got all our friends here, and it's like, oh, I got all this extra time, but I can't see any of them. <laughs> right. We can't hang out. Right, right. But it's it's great to be back, man. We love St. Louis. It's where you know, we moved back because it's where we still have the most friends and the most community. So it's a great yeah. place. A lot of good people. That's awesome, too. And I mean, you're right, kind of like smack dab in the middle of the country, too. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as you were speaking about the, the Rage Tour, so tell me, like, how that all came about and just your your level of excitement for being able to, you know, hopefully we, we all get through this, you know, hopefully by summertime and you guys could hopefully at least still do the second part of the tour. But when that was all coming about, you know, like how did you find out and, you know, what was your kind of like your first reactions about being able to, uh, to tour with uh, Rage Against the Machine? Um, first of all, I just realized what your background is. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how it took me a second to get that since we watched like <laughs> seven episodes a day. Of yeah, we're, 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 we're moving up in the world in Zero Dark Nerdy. We yeah. changed the name. Um, we got luscious <laughs> backgrounds now. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, I, you know, I was super hyped about it. I mean, I was at the Wu-Tang Rage show wow. in Tinley Park, Illinois in 1998. So, you know, um, I, was, I was hyped for sure. Um, you know, I think it just came about mostly through Zach and Elle's relationship. Um, right. Zach's relationship with all of us, you know, over these last few years. But Zach and Elle go way back. Yeah. When they broke up the first time, I believe Zach, like, stayed with Elle for a few weeks and they recorded music. So they've got... Oh, wow. You know, they... At one point, I was going to produce an album for them, and that just, you know, didn't happen. But, you know, they go way back. So I think that's the, I think that's the main impetus for all of it. Okay. Um, you know, I wasn't involved in any of the negotiations or politicking <laughs> of it. All of a sudden, it was just like, hey, uh, so I think we're going on tour with Rage. And it was just like, what the 
fuck, awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, once we, uh, I think I saw it on your Instagram was where I think I saw it first. Mm-hmm. And I think I dropped my phone and I'm glad yeah. I didn't break it. Because <laughs> I mean, to me, that's just a, a dream come true and one hell of a lineup. I, I unfortunately did not get to see Wu-Tang and Rage together back when they, they first tore. I think I lived in Michigan at the time. Okay. Just moved there and... I was still kind of getting to know the lay of the land, but, you know, being able to see you guys plus Rage, who I've never gotten to see before, um, I mean, you know, and like I said, hopefully, hopefully it comes to fruition, you know, doing all this social distancing and all that, you know, hopefully yeah. we can get back to uh, living a somewhat normal, normal life here in the near future. Yeah, man. Hoping so for sure. <laughs> awesome. So, um, so what can you tell us about RTJ4? Obviously, it's on everybody's minds. You know, yeah. we're, we're all waiting for it. Um, you know, I know that, and I'll get to the, the you know, you guys work with Rick Rubin, too, in here a little bit. But what, what can you, like, divulge without getting you in trouble about RTJ4? I mean, it's, it's in, you know, I mean, I really can't say much more than, like, Els tweeted over these past few months. But, I mean, it's, it's hard as fuck. It's, I mean, it's the hardest album so far, I think, wow. for the guests are not necessarily people you'd expect, but they all kill it. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's like, uh, it's crazy to have been so close to releasing it and then all of a sudden have it like pushed back. Right. Um, and I don't know how far they're pushing it back. I don't, I don't think we're going to wait too much longer to drop it. Cause I mean, we're excited to get it out to the people, but you know, we just got to make it make sense with whenever we're going to be hitting the road. But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's incredible. Just, you know, from hearing the first, the first couple songs like early last year and then just hearing it build and then different songs go through different versions. It's really, it's really dope, man. I mean, those guys are incredible. And, uh, you know, Elle's, Elle's just been in the studio nonstop for the last year and a half sculpting it. And it's, uh, it's, it's sick, man. I wish I had more informational stuff to you besides <laughs> just saying how good it is over and over but <laughs> no man it's all really good great. so we're all excited about it i mean i'm glad that uh you know they were you guys were able to drop yankee and the brave mm-hmm. La La. I mean, that's one of my uh we we had a remix episode um, okay. probably about six months ago okay. and uh you know dwick was definitely at the top of the list and being able to use that that sample in there yeah, was yeah. perfect and that's when I sent you the, uh, the Instagram message because that song is at the very end of the final episode of this season of Ozark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I mean, the final like minute or two of Ozark so intense. And then to end it with that track, I was like, <laughs> wow, this is just yeah. perfect. I still haven't seen it. I got I to gotta check it out. <laughs> yeah, I, got, uh, I got a buddy who works at Netflix, actually the guy who edited the, the Megamix video. Okay. Um, and he works at Netflix and he hit me. He's like, yo, I think I heard a new RTJ song on the show I'm working on. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't think they'd be, you know, putting a song out on the on a new new show, you know, quite yet. Right. I was like, what does it sound like? He's like, it starts out with like this weird kind of out-of-tune piano, and then they're saying, ooh, la la. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> wow, you are actually hearing an RTJ Fourth song. That is dope. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, working with the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Rubin. Um, so we didn't actually work with him. We recorded at his studio. Okay. Um, and, you know, he sat in and like heard, you know, the album in the state it was in at that point. And, yeah. and I think he gave Elle some thoughts and stuff. But um, his studio is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a sick, crazy compound in Malibu. And, you know, just being around him a couple times, you know, he popped in and out here and there was just super dope. You know, it used to be Bob Dylan's studio. Oh, okay. Bob Dylan's old tour bus is actually parked on the property, and they put okay. a studio in the tour bus. Oh, wow. 
And so one of the nights I actually slept on Bob Dylan's old tour bus. <laughs> There's like a, Damn. a mattress there. So, you know, just legendary historic stuff all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's really like a wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bet. I bet. And then I saw too on your Insta, um, you got to link up with, uh, with DJ premier. Was this, was this for the album or did you just kind of just run into him just being, out oh, no, that, it was, at, it was at a separate function. It was at a run the jewels related thing. Um, okay. Uh, you know, I don't know if I should divulge exactly what that was. I don't think it'd be a big deal, but um, yeah, no, I, I just, I bumped into him. I was, I'd actually been waiting, hoping he was going to show up before I left. And then yeah. as I was waiting for my Uber, he got dropped off right where I was waiting for. So I was, I was like, Oh shit, it's fucking primo. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was awesome to get to chop it up with him for a few minutes, but uh, hopefully we'll be seeing more of him. You know, one of my favorite things about getting guys like that on the albums is knowing hopefully we'll get them on stage at some point. Right. I mean, at this point I've shared my DJ riser with like so many of my favorite DJs ever. So getting him on there will be a, will be a big one for sure. That's awesome. And speaking of which too, so we, uh, we sent out a little kind of survey and questionnaire for fans, um, you know, what they would want to ask you for the interview. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the questions is, uh, you know, who are some of your favorite DJs as far as not just old school, but, you know, even nowadays, like, you know, if you had to rattle off top five, top 10, anything like that, like who are the DJs that you just kind of look up to? For sure. Well, so I always got to start that with, with the St. Louis guys, which, you know, are guys that, the average person might not know of, uh-huh. um, but they should. Cause when I started DJing, you know, I was entirely just uh, absorbed in the St. Louis scene um, and wasn't paying attention to a whole lot anywhere else. So, sure. you know, guys like Mike 2600, Charlie Chan, DJ needles. Uh, I'm sorry. Now he goes by James Biko. Um, Crucial. Uh, I hate doing this cause then I leave a hundred people out, but <laughs> right, so, right. so many incredible DJs that I came up watching. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a heavy turntablist. I mean, obviously I cut and scratch, but I'm not, but I, I came up really admiring the turntablist guys from like the late nineties, you know, Shadow, yeah. Huber, the Beat yeah. Junkies, Executioners. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, you know, all the, all the Z trip, all those guys. Um, and then like mixtape guys are really kind of like who I feel like I am more on like, because mixtape's always my thing. So guys yeah. like Static Selected, J Period, Green Lantern, um, all those guys, you know, I, I look up to and, and admire the way they do their thing. Scratch Bastard, Jazzy Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many. I know that was probably way more than five or ten. But, <laughs> no, you know, you're good. You know, there's, a lot, there's a lot of guys I admire out here. That's awesome. I remember coming up, uh, just hitting up, like, the local mixtape stands, and you hit a couple of them. Uh, one of my favorites, of course, was Clue, mm-hmm. um, Dirty Harry. Uh, yep. I always love some of his mixtapes, and what what got me into DJing actually was the movie Juice. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of a lot of people say that one. Yeah, that that was after I saw that. I, uh, I I was still young then at the time, but back in like '98, I worked at a blockbuster music. Okay. I worked overtime for about two weeks straight, and we were going to Queens to go visit some family members. And it was like my first ever paycheck that was like a thousand bucks. And when you're like right. 18 years old, back then a thousand bucks might as well have been like a hundred thousand. Right. For sure. So I went to uh, Queens to Guitar Center, got you know two brand new techniques, the Newmark mixer, all that. And all I wanted nice. to do was just scratch and, and yeah. battle. <laughs> Did it for a little bit, but you know I had a daughter young, and I didn't have a lot of uh, like equity or anything. So unfortunately, the turntables were the first thing to go, but yeah. I got back into it over the years and uh, yeah, I was going to say, you, you, know, you know, get it back, you know, it's, yeah. 
it's definitely one of those fun things that like you can do as a career, but you can also definitely just do for fun yeah. as much as you want, you know, yeah. you find, find a space for yourself in it. Definitely. So what, what exactly got you into DJing? So at first, I mean, I was just a fan and, you know, I kind of like identified with DJs more, but I was, I didn't really have any designs on participating mm -hmm. in like, you know, producing or DJing or anything. But when I got to my college, I went to the radio station um, and they had just this wall of hip hop records and it was like mm -hmm. every record I've ever wanted to hear. Yeah. So in order to get access to the records, I did a radio show. So that's kind of what started me DJing. And I mean, I, I think somewhere in my head, I was already like kind of thinking about it, but it wasn't that serious, but really it was just to hear the records at first. And then it just snowballed and continued. And, um, yeah, so I didn't really start till I was like, you know, 18, mm -hmm. 17, 18. So I was thinking about guys like, you know, a track or whatever, who was DJing at like 11 or 12. <laughs> right. What an awesome advantage that is to be DJing all through, you know, middle and high school and you just didn't have anything better to do than just practice like eight hours a day and stuff, you know? God, no awesome. shit. I mean, that, that's when, you know, you're prime because you're not working. You get to yep. do kind of whatever you want. Yeah. And uh, no, no, that, that's awesome. Um, another, another question from a fan here is, um, if, if you weren't the incredible DJ that you are right now, like, what do you think your profession would have led to if it wasn't DJing or producing? I mean, I'd probably be in the NBA. Um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I don't know. I think, I think teaching is the kind of like the most obvious easy answer. It was kind of the last job I had. I was teaching, I mean, PE, but uh -huh. uh, that was like kind of like the last job I had mm -hmm. before I started DJing for Mike and then, you know, everything went the direction it did. But, you know, I, I've done a lot of stuff working with kids over the years. So I think that's probably what it would be. Uh -huh. You know, before I was even DJing, I thought I'd be in the music industry, but more on the business side in some way. But then everything just kind of panned out to me actually DJing. Um, so either in the music business sides somewhere or, or sure. teaching is probably the answer. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're DJing and a producer, man. So keep that shit up. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I like it better this way. <laughs> there you go. Um, I want to bring this up. I saw on your Instagram too, that you joined the, uh, the questions rap trivia. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, just kind of talk a little bit about that. We host a couple trivia nights ourselves and we throw everything in there from movies and music to hip hop. But I definitely want to hear about your experience uh, with, with the questions. Yeah, that was dope. So um, they normally do that in L.A. Okay. Um, and when I lived in L.A., I meant to go there like every week, but I just never made it out of the house, you know. Um, so I was glad when they started doing it online that I was able to to connect with them. Steve Wonders, one of the guys is involved. So I, and I know him. I've DJed with him before. Um, so he and I have been talking about it for a while. But I popped into the chat the week before because while I was in there, they were like, yo, we should get you on the show. So I was definitely hyped to do it. I was a little bit anxious because, you know, my brand's called Rap Fan. So yeah. I'd probably look pretty bad if I <laughs> was terrible at hip hop trivia. <laughs> right. Um, but I uh fortunately I did I did really well. I only got one question wrong. Nice. Um, which I was hyped about. Uh but yeah, it was it was cool. It was a fun process. They did they didn't throw many curveballs I couldn't handle. So I was <laughs> I was just glad not to embarrass myself. There you go. Living up to the rap fan name. I love it. <laughs> Um, I know you mentioned, you know, being anxious and this is something I wanted to personally ask, you know, I, I have anxiety and, and suffer from depression. So I get anxious literally before just like podcast episodes, before interviews, uh, even before hosting trivia in front of like 25 people. Sure. Like how, how do you feel like, you know, when you first started off doing it compared to now, like are the nerves still there before every show? Like talk a little bit about that. 
Well, it's funny. I mean, I definitely, I definitely have anxiety at times. Um, you know, especially like when I was, when I was teaching and when I was teaching hip hop classes, I used to get really like anxious, like physically uncomfortable before mm -hmm. classes sometimes if it was like a new environment or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, when I started, when I started with Mike, it was definitely nerve wracking, you know, and then we started, it was cool because we just kind of gradually ramped up the yeah. size of the crowds. But really once I got comfortable with rocking with Mike and I'm not a spotlight person. I don't, I don't want all eyes on me. Right. The DJing for rap groups perfect for me because all eyes are on those guys. Yeah. And then I'm just kind of like in the background, you know, playing my part. So it's funny. I don't get nervous before on the Jules shows almost ever anymore. Okay. Um, you know, 30,000 people opening for Eminem. I actually distinctly remember before that show, I'm like, why am I not nervous about this, dude? You should be nervous. <laughs> right. Crazy. But on the flip side of that, if I'm DJing by myself, yeah, it could be a dive bar where I know it's not going to be more than 60 or 70 people and they're barely even going to be paying attention to me. Right. I'll get, sometimes I'll get really nervous before that and like yeah. sweating and like, Oh God, what am I going to, you know, even though I've been doing it for 20 years, you know, sure. so, you know, it's uh, I mean, there's definitely differences where again, you know, I know they're looking at me as opposed to watching Mike and Al. Right. As well as, what we're doing around the Jewel Show, we're executing a script, you know, yeah. to a certain extent. Obviously, we go on and off script, but we know right. what we're doing. But sometimes when I'm DJing, if I don't know what the crowd's going to be like, it's like, I right. know I'm going to have to read the crowd. And like, what if I read it wrong? And like, maybe, maybe some people do, but I never get used to the feeling of playing the wrong song. And then ever and ever, we're like, <laughs> and then it's right. like, you know, we were having fun, but we're not anymore. Because <laughs> right. of what you just did, you know? <laughs> And that doesn't happen that often, but the times it's happened, you know, they echo. So, you yeah, know, I'm always like nervous about making that happen again. So, you know, yeah, it's funny because you'd think I've played all these crowds in front of 10,000s of people. So you wouldn't think that 60 people would get me nervous, but 60 people will get me nervous way more than. <laughs> it's, there's also an anonymity when it's like a, a sea of people. It's like, you know, it's just like a, a mass of people and it's right. like 60 people and you can look each of them in the face and see how they feel. You know, that's a different. <laughs> no, that's good to know. And I'm glad I'm not the only one. Cause like, just like you said, I get, and I haven't DJed in a few months now, but I used to get super nervous for my sets. Cause the same thing it's, you know, 50 to a hundred people and God forbid you just don't play that one right track. Yeah. And that's when you're just like, shit, then you got to switch it up real quick. And, if, yeah, the nerves would definitely get the, the best of me where I could, I could see, you know, not being a spotlight guy, having L and, and Mike out there where not that you're just in the background. I think you're a great DJ and you participate with the crowd well too, but having them have the focus on them yeah. is, yeah, I could see. Yeah, it's like, a, like a force field or security blanket or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. Uh, got a couple more fan questions here. Uh, one fan asked, um, you know, they know, they saw that Mike and L were in the Gears of War video game. Mm-hmm. Um, as like a, a skin or character or whatnot. If if you guys were to all three like were, were to be in a video game franchise, like what would be one franchise that you'd love to see like a like a track star and, and an LP and, and a mic kind of like skin or character for? So I I haven't played video games regularly in a long time. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that popped in my because the last system I owned was a Dreamcast. Okay, all right. So the first thing that popped in my head would be was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> nice. Especially Mike, yeah, like right. Mike in Pro Skater. Um, 
So yeah, I think I think that would be my answer. Um, I still plan on getting a Dreamcast one of these days. I'm going to bump into one for you know <laughs> just the right price with like the right bundle of games. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really play anymore. I bought the SNES Classic and NES Classic, and I played them both a little bit, but then they both you know. I do too. I got too much. Too much <laughs> right. played it all right. time. I don't. I don't sit down in any one place for very long too often. So I, I don't blame you. I try to get into them here and there. I got a bunch of friends. A bunch of the guys on the podcast play Call of Duty, okay. and uh, you know I was great when I was younger and, and wasn't focused on anything. But I yeah. am absolutely terrible now. And I kind of <laughs> wish they bring back like Tony Hawk Pro Skater and like SSX Tricky and those games that I love back in the day. Yeah, just writing yeah. just kind of Tony Hawk and NFL well. Blitz are the two that I remember most. Oh. Blitz and uh, the Dreamcast to me at the time too. I thought their NBA games were some of the best around. Really, I don't even think I ever was NBA Street on Dreamcast. I don't remember. I loved NBA Street on the PlayStation Two because um, that was the one that had Skip to My Lou on it, right? I think so. I yeah. only played that a couple times too. I just, but I do remember playing it. Yeah, I was always like when we were a kid, we'd get a system and then like we just have a couple games and we just play those to death and we just like. Our parents like wouldn't buy us any more games. <laughs> right. So I, I never had like a wide variety of <laughs> games in my life. You know, it's like, oh, there's these four. And I know every level of them by heart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, um, last fan question we got. So kind of the same thing, but towards movies. So if there was a, you know, an RTJ movie, who would you want to play you in a movie? Or just in a movie just about your life in general? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a funny question. <laughs> Mike used to, and I don't really understand this, but he used to say I look like Jason Statham, which <laughs> I don't know if he was messing around or something wrong with his eyes or something. Oh, that's a good question. You know, maybe someone funny. You know, I really like comedies. See, I figured that you would go with your boy Paul Rudd. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh. I wish I'd thought of it, but yes, Paul Rudd is the answer. That's funny. My mind immediately went to like the guys from the state, which is like my favorite show ever. Oh, nice. Paul, nice. Which, I didn't know until recently Paul was affiliated with them and he knew all them and was there at, at the time. I didn't know that. Hanging out with all those guys. Yeah. Which makes sense. Cause they're kind of on the similar, like yeah. silly, quirky uh, thing. And I just saw what was it? some new show that's coming out or some new movie. They just do. And they're like directed by Michael Showalter from the oh, state. Wow. I was like, Oh, it's amazing to see all those guys popping up now in all, yeah. the, all sorts of different things. Um, you know, we're just watching, we're just watching Veep and uh, who was it? Thomas Lennon mm -hmm. popped up in like the second to last episode or something. I'm like, Oh, that's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like I probably think about the state more than like almost any other human being on earth. <laughs> that's awesome. I wish I had Jerry here. The, uh, my buddy that interviewed that, uh, that was interviewing you last time with me, he's a gigantic fan of the state. And I, I think we saw something on Facebook too, that they were going to come back with like a five episode, just kind of like arc. So I don't know what network it was going to be on, but they're supposed to be coming back and doing something here relatively soon, but it might obviously be postponed. Cause I don't know if they started filming yet before all this huh. started happening yeah, around us. I don't know. That makes me nervous, man. I don't know. I don't know about pulling off the state in 2020 or <laughs> pulling off the state as like 48 year olds or however old. <laughs> you, know? you can only do that. I'm going to dip my balls in and skip it so much. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's super cool to watch all those guys popping up and stuff and directing stuff all over the place. Awesome, man. Um, so what's going on with, uh, with the smoking section? I know that uh, it's still on the air. We got 10 to midnight Fridays, um, Eastern standard time, 10 to midnight. Any, uh, you know, guests coming up, anything like that as far as the next couple episodes? 
Not really. It's, I mean, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty standard, you know, I mean, I record it from home, so okay. you know, it's just me by myself for the most part. Uh, you know, the first hour is always all brand new music that week. And then the second hour is kind of like the best of like the previous weeks. You know, I just kind of like hold on to the songs I like the most and keep, keep them in the second hour. Thinking about trying some new formats out and playing a little bit more like old school stuff and mixing in some new, new ideas. But uh, so far, I've just been just playing it the same way. You know, there's, there's a lot of music that comes out that, you know, it's, it's hard to sift through it all. So yeah. that's always kind of like been, I feel like part of my role is, you know, just kind of like filtering, filtering it out. And for people who don't have time to dig through it all. Right. Just like, here's, here's the stuff you should hear, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think you do an excellent job with that. I mean, especially for the artists, too, because there are times where I'm listening to it, you know, majority of them I don't know or yeah. I haven't heard of yet. And, you know, I'll put it on, you know, Shazam so I can see who it is or whatnot. So, you know, you do. I think you do an excellent job of, uh, you know, introducing and breaking out new talent. So thanks, man. That's, I mean, that's my that. favorite. Th- since since I started DJing, it's always been my favorite part of it is, you know, I know about this music or this artist. People don't know about them. And I feel like it would be the artist deserves to have people know about them and the people deserve to know about good music, you know? So just connecting those dots has always been my main thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So once, uh, once we are all allowed to, you know, go outside, like what do you and the family have planned? Like first thing you want to do, you know, whether if it's like grab a good meal somewhere, like what, what are your plans as far as when we can finally kind of uh, evacuate our homes and start living again? man probably just see see our friends here in st louis that we haven't gotten to see you know mm-hmm. um i mean it'll also depend on how how that happens and how quickly we get back into touring and stuff because that's the thing is we moved here and it was supposed to be moving here and then i'd take off like right away so now we've got all this extra time here right um, but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting you know i, I don't know how it's all gonna pan out but definitely definitely getting out and seeing our friends who are the purpose of moving back here in the first place you know nice nice yeah. man um before we wrap up any uh any shout outs anything you want to say out there where can people find you on social media all that fun stuff yeah yeah um you know just just shouts out to my wife and baby camille and amina wow i almost said camina and emil again <laughs> i said on an interview last week and i never said before in life yeah um, i guess zoom makes me makes me say that uh <laughs> <laughs> um but uh instagram's trackstar the dj Twitter's DJ Trackstar, um, rapfan.com has everything. It's my merch and links to everything else you could ask for, including playlists for the smoking section. Um, and that's pretty much it. It's all Trackstar, regular spelling, no no fancy rap spelling. <laughs> no dollar signs in there, none of that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. But Trackstar, it's a pleasure having you on as always, my friend. I really do appreciate sure. it. Make sure you check them out again. Smoking section on Shade 4.5. From uh, 10 to midnight, Friday nights, Eastern uh, Standard Time, Uh, go to the Rap Fan. It's rapfan.com, correct? Yes, sir. Rapfan.com for his merch uh, playlist. And then uh, hopefully we'll get to see you on the road here soon. I know uh, they Mm -hmm. haven't canceled the August 3rd date yet for Raleigh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hoping, hoping. (laughs) Excellent, man. Well, thanks again, brother. I'll catch up with you soon. For sure, man. Appreciate it. You got it. And anger management? Fuck anger management. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.